So the sermon uh, today, the outline and projection of it can uh, be found at this time, at this moment while it's being presented, at ahaslides.com's forward slash G-S-N-E-G, Garrett Street Negligence. Could you be convicted of negligence? Everywhere you go, this is not an unfamiliar sight, is it? You go into any restaurant, it seems like they have the caution wet floor signs out even when the floor is dry. (laughs) And the point is, is that we know that when people are negligent, they can get into a lot of trouble. So if if an establishment uh, has a wet floor and uh, they are... uh, and they're able to, and they don't mark and caution people as to the fact that there is a wet floor that you could potentially slip and fall, then that negligence, if they do not put that sign out, that negligence could put them in trouble. There also, that would be some kind of civil case, I assume, but there are also times that negligence can lead to criminal cases, and there is such a thing as criminal negligence. There is even, uh, as I search this, there is uh, such a thing, maybe you've heard of negligent homicide. If you do something that causes someone to die because you were negligent, then, and especially for businesses or people in authority, then that could be a very big issue for you, and you could go to jail for negligence. So we understand negligence. The the idea of negligence is if there's something you should do, then you should do it. And if you don't do it, you could get in trouble. It is our responsibility to do what we should do. So now as we consider Scripture, we're going to look at Scripture because Scripture warns us of a negligence that is very important for us, that we need to not be negligent. So let's consider, as we've already looked a little bit at Hebrews chapter 1, I would summarize Hebrews chapter 1 simply as being this, that the Son of God, who came down to this earth, the Son of God, is who is much better than the angels, by the way, is a big thought in chapter 1. Excuse me for a moment. Got to get things back the way they used to be. I didn't realize that it had changed. There is a very... You know, we don't use books as much because we have things in the computer, but this is a Bible concordance that's still very handy, right? All right, so the Son of God who is much better, he is very much greater than the angels who the Hebrews, all the Jews, they would have just exalted. Imagine getting a visit from an angel. They loved angels. What a wonderful thing. Angels are great. But there is one who is higher than the angels, much better than the angels. And he came and he spoke to us. The Son of God came and spoke to us. He's better than the angels. The Son of God, the last couple of sermons have simply been this. If the Son of God came to speak to us, then we better better listen. So, And that's Hebrews chapter 2. So pay attention. Hebrews chapter 2, verse number 1, it starts like this. For this reason... Considering the Son of God came and spoke to us, and he's much better than the angels. For this reason, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard. Pay attention. It makes sense, doesn't it? 
It's kind of a sad thing to, to, that somebody has to come along and say, all right, the Son of God came to visit us. He had a message to declare, so you better listen. And these are, these are, he's writing to Christians. He's trying, writing to believers. He's writing to ones who need to pay attention. And we're often, we need this reminder, pay attention. So many things that can distract us, right? We need to pay attention. So many times we can put our, our, our mind and our thoughts just in other things instead of really focusing in here and paying attention. So pay attention. The Son of God came. Pay attention. All right, let's uh, continue moving here. The next thing he says is the writers, he indicates, so, so pay attention. In verse, verse, continuing in verse number one, uh, for this reason we must pay closer attention to what we have heard so that we do not drift away. Don't drift away from it. So they know that they've already heard something, and now he's telling them what you've heard, you better keep paying attention to it or else you're going to drift away from it. The idea of drifting away means they have heard this. They have consented to it. These are people who believe in Jesus. These are people who say, that, yeah, the Son of God came. We need to listen to him, but they have stopped listening and they're starting to drift away. Don't drift away. Hebrews chapter 2, verse number 1 tells us. Now I want to highlight something that's very important for 1 Peter a connection with first peter excuse me second peter chapter 1 second peter chapter 1 verses 5 through 11 i want to establish that this the idea of us not drifting away involves us being very diligent to grow and growth is is moving from one point to the next to the next to the next it's like climbing some stairs going further and further up one little step at a time that's what our growth process requires. It requires some work for us. And if we're not involved in that growth process, then we are, in fact, in a different slow process. And that process is a slow drifting away. So 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 5 through 11. Listen to all of this. Pay attention to every word. There's a lot in here that corresponds to Hebrews chapter 2. Verse, uh, starting verse number Five. Now for this very reason also, applying all diligence in your faith, supply moral excellence, and in your moral excellence, knowledge, and in your knowledge, self-control, and in your self-control, perseverance, and in your perseverance, godliness, and in your godliness, brotherly kindness, and in your brotherly kindness, love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they render you neither useless nor unfruitful in the true knowledge of our Lord Jesus. That's what we want to be. We want to be useful. We want to be fruitful, right? We want to bear fruit for Jesus. This is the path. Have these things and be increasing in them. Diligent to do that. Verse number 9. For he who lacks these qualities is blind or short-sighted, having forgotten his purification from his former sins. Therefore, brethren, be all the more diligent to make certain about his calling and choosing. 
for choosing you, for as long as you practice these things, you will never stumble. For in this way, the entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ will be abundantly supplied. You're either diligently moving on the path, taking the steps forward, or else you are, have already, if you're not doing that, then you have forgotten. You've forgotten that you were cleansed of your sins. You have forgotten the true path. And that's why so many people in the world, people in the world who are not Christians, they look at Christians and they say, well, they're not much different from me, so why, why do I care to... What difference does it make? It doesn't matter. They're all a bunch of hypocrites because they claim to, to follow Jesus, and, but they're nothing like Him. And so Christians cause others to drift fall away so but they themselves have in fact drifted and fallen away this idea of growth requires diligence and if you're not diligently growing putting putting yourself your efforts your mind your thought your efforts into making progress then as this verse in second peter indicates it just backs up and supports what hebrews states if you're not growing then you are drifting away that idea of drifting away it's not like suddenly you disappear and you have gone away the drifting implies that process of floating away a wandering away just little by little let us folks let us not be ones who are drifting away and how must we make sure that we're not drifting away pay attention to what we have heard what we know and grow, grow, grow. Moving on. Verse number 2 says, For if the word spoken through angels, if the word spoken through angels proved unalterable, and every trans... Well, let's just pause there. The message spoken through angels. That's a little strange to us, isn't it? A little strange to me. But the word spoken through angels is just a reference to the law of Moses. The law and all that was contained in it, the Ten Commandments and everything that came through Moses, all of his instruction pertaining to the sacrifices, pertaining to the feast days, that was the word spoken through angels. And that is according, uh, that it, the, the old law, that being the old law is defined and Established by Deuteronomy 33.2, you can look there. Uh, Psalm number 68, verse 17. Acts chapter 7, verse 53. And Galatians chapter 3, verse 19. So if you want to understand that, that when it says the word spoken through angels is just a reference to the law of Moses, you can look up Deuteronomy 33.2, Psalm 68.17, Acts 7.53, and Galatians chapter 3, verse 19. And that says, when it's talking about that law of Moses, it says, For if the word spoken through angels, remember he had just compared angels to the one who was higher. Jesus is higher, the Son is higher than the angels. But that word spoken through angels, the old law, it proved unalterable, can't change it. And every transgression and disobedience received a just penalty. Okay, so there was a... There was a law that came through angels, and if you, it never changed. 
And if you, if you disobeyed it, if you sinned against that law, you were going to be penalized. And that's just the law that came through angels. So this is an if-then statement. The then part is not here yet. It's in the next verse. But listen to this again. I've summarized it like this. If punishment came with the law of Moses, then it will be worse to neglect the salvation spoken through the Lord. Verse number 3, it says, How will we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? How can we escape? If Jesus comes and you don't listen to him, do you think you're going to escape? you think you're going to go unpunished? No. The people got punished. and you, When you think about the Old Testament, you think about times when people disobeyed God and they were done away with. They were punished. They were stoned. They were swallowed up by the earth. They were consumed by fire. Punishment came with that law, the word that was spoken through angels. Now, if the Son comes and you don't listen to Him, if you neglect His word, do you think you'll escape? Or do you think there'll be punishment? This uh, verse goes on, I want to read verses 3 and 4 now to finish the thought. So the writer says, how will we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? After it was at the first spoken through the Lord, it was confirmed to us by those who heard, referencing the apostles who were with him. Verse 4, God also testifying with them by, both by signs and wonders and by various miracles and by gifts of the Holy Spirit according to his own will. So God started working through men to confirm that Jesus truly had been resurrected from the dead. Jesus only hung around and he was coming and going for those 40 days after his resurrection. Some 40 days and he only appeared a few times before a lot of people. But then he went back to the right hand of the Father and the word was to be carried on through, through people and God worked through them. And God confirmed the word of Jesus Christ and his message through those people. They worked, they were diligent, they were faithful, they were responsible, they were not negligent. They did their part. They did their part. So, the word of Christ, that old law, now Jesus comes and he explains it in even a better way. And he fulfills it through his own actions upon the cross when he died for us. He served as the great sacrifice. That's the gospel. We can be saved only through him. The, the path that he walked, the steps that he took, we are to be his disciples and follow after him. question comes then, are we ever negligent? Things that Jesus has called upon us to do, things that Jesus and his apostles who spoke for him after he was gone, 
these things that were entrusted to us now in the word of God, are we ever negligent? Do we ever fail to do what we're supposed to do? I want you to think about that for a second. Think about this, and it's going automatically here, so I can add more time. If you've fallen along on the aha slides, what are some things, you can enter this, what are some things that you think Christians tend to neglect? As you think about what Christ has called us to do, who Christ has called us to be, what are some things that we tend to neglect? As you put in your answers there, uh, we see that some of you have said the Bible. Uh, A lot of people are picking several different things now. I hope eventually it stops moving. I'll uh, open it up just for another second. I think I'll be able to stop it when I want to. But reading the Bible, and the Bible is there a couple times, caring for others, um, and now I want to stop it. I don't think I can. Come on. you got to be able to stop it. Oh, well. It'll keep moving around. Uh, evangelism is there. Sharing. How many times are we selfish? This, this generation is being grown. We're, we're raising our generation. The kids are growing up to be me, me, me. It's me-centered. Everything's focused on you. Uh, Let us not be like that. Let us not neglect sharing. Praying. Pray is listed a couple of times there. Grace. We neglect grace. We forget to... God has shown grace to us, and then if we neglect to show it to others, what hope do we have? Church, God has called us certainly. You read through the New Testament, Jesus has established his presence on this earth through the church. We are the church, the body of Christ. If we neglect the church, we are neglecting what Christ has called us to. We've neglected love, neglected Bible study, neglected care for others. Neglected guiding others, sharing the word, evangelism, Bible studies, Bible lessons. You've hit on some things that, uh, you know, that I think sometimes we can look around at others and we can answer this one way when we look at others and we think other people are neglecting this. They claim to be Christians and they're not doing this. And then sometimes it's good for us to pause for a moment and think, but what am I neglecting? What's something I need in my life that I'm neglecting for Jesus? A lot of times I think uh, what, what we all feel a lot of times is that we fail to read our Bibles like we want to like we know we need to we fail to pray like we know we should and we fail to share it that message with others a lot of these things are mentioned here so think about the things we tend to neglect 
And let us devote ourselves to following Jesus more closely. As we think about the things that we want to do better, we're also going to realize and think about the fact of what we read in Second Peter, that they are steps that we take. We're not going to be perfect all at once, but we're going to be diligent. We are going to put some effort into doing these things in a greater way. And as we continue to make strides and continue to take steps and we continue to let Christ work in our lives and his spirit, then we can look back at our lives and see that we have been making growth. We have been growing in Christ. Let us be committed to that. I'd ask you to consider uh, one of the parables of Jesus. This might be one that you uh, even coming into uh, speaking about what we've already talked about. The idea of neglect or negligence, you might have already thought about this. The parable uh, of the talents, the parable of the slaves or the servants. I want to read through this. We're going to see here that one slave out of three, one slave was convicted, my words, of negligence. He received a sentence for his negligence. And the question is going to be then that as we think about us going before the master someday, when he returns, could we also be convicted of negligence? Matthew chapter 25, starting in verse 14. For it is just like a man about to go on a journey who called his own slaves and entrusted his possessions to them. To one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, and to another one, each according to his own ability. And he went on his journey. We pause there. First of all, we establish that Christ has left us with some talents. And we tend to think of it's kind of an interesting phrase. The talent here in the scripture is talking about a coin. But for us, it translates very easily to this idea that we have a gift from God, something that we can do for his kingdom. We also have talents and abilities. We do. Every one of us. According to what we can, uh, according to our own ability. He has blessed us with those talents. Verse 16. Immediately the one who had received the five talents went and traded with them and gained five more talents. And in the same manner, the one who had received the two talents gained two more. But he who received the one talent went away, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. Now after a long time, the master of those slaves came and settled accounts with them. The one who had received the five talents came up and brought five more talents, saying, Master, you entrusted five talents to me. See, I have gained five more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful slave. You were faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. That master's joy, that's a neat thought, isn't it? Enter into the joy of your master. This is a beautiful, wonderful master. No, no greater master. 22. 
Also, the one who had received the two talents came up and said, Master, you entrusted two talents to me. See, I have gained two more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful slave. You were faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. 24. And the one who also had received the one talent came up and said, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. And I was afraid. And I went away and hid your talent in the ground. See, you have what is yours. But the master answered and said to him, You wicked, lazy slave. You knew that I reap where I do not sow and gather where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to have put my money in the bank. And on my arrival, I would have received my money back with interest. Therefore, take away the talent from him and give it to the one who has the ten talents. For to everyone who has shall more shall be given and he will have an abundance but from the one who does not have even what he does have shall be taken away throw the worthless slave into the outer darkness in that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth the slave had been given the one talent it was entrusted to him He knew what he should do. And instead, he went and buried a hole and hid it away. Because of fear, he was negligent. Because he was afraid. And because of his negligence, he heard the words, Throw out the worthless slave into the outer darkness, in the place where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now as we forward our thoughts into time, we know the day shall come when we stand before our Master. And we're going to hear one of two responses. There is no other option that is given. We're either going to hear, Well done, good and faithful servant, enter into the joy of your master, or we are going to hear, cast him into the outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. I know of no other options according to Scripture. We will either be received into the heavenly kingdom, the eternal kingdom that was prayed about earlier, the blessings that will come, or we'll be cast into hell for all eternity. This guy was convicted of negligence. Could you also be convicted? Could I be convicted? Today could be our final day. I want to challenge you. For all the believers out here, I want to challenge you. Uh, just And if there is something else that has pricked your, your heart, and there is something that you want to do, even as we uh, typed in our answers for what we think people are negligent, at or that we might be negligent at put some effort into that put some diligence into it and address that if the spirit is guiding you to uh to overcome that negligence then you need to do so 
But there's another one just very basic. I would, I would say this, if there's anybody here who doesn't read the scripture daily, I would encourage you to get into the Bible even just three minutes. Just three minutes a day and then pray about what you have read. And for those folks who might already be involved in daily Bible reading, I'd encourage you to focus on prayer. Pray before you read. Pray after you read. Do both. Pray about it. Be praying about the Word of God and focusing on its effects in your life. There's anybody here, though, that had the, the greatest negligence, and that's to consider Jesus Christ and to know that He really did come here to this earth. God sent his son and that son spoke and you haven't even answered him. You haven't acknowledged him. You know that there is a time that that you will stand before him someday. And now is the day. It's the day of salvation. It's the day is that you can be immersed into Jesus Christ. You can actually respond to him. You You can avoid being negligent because being negligent leaves you vulnerable. Don't neglect Jesus. Take the precautions. McDonald's does it by putting out those signs. Walmart does it, putting out those signs. Watch out for wet floors. Be responsible with your life. Do not be negligent. Answer the call to Christ today. If you need to respond, I encourage you to let me know sometime today. And as we get ready to go into our memorial service, I'd ask you to Continue to consider that. How will you respond? How will you not be negligent? Because there is one who has died for you. You need to be responsible to him.